Hey everyone, welcome to 11 Questions, where each week we meet a new person and get to know them. I am your host, Aman Tiwana, and today we are meeting a migraine specialist and a podcast host, Katie Munro. Let's get to know her with 11 Questions. Hi Katie, welcome to 11 Questions. Hi there, thank you so much for the invitation. First of all, are you a morning person or a night owl? I am really a night owl, but I'm trying really hard to be a regular person who goes to bed <laughs> at exactly the same time every night and gets up exactly the same time every morning because that's what I tell everybody to do because I get migraine as well. Uh, so migraine attacks are often worse if you have irregular sleep. So I'm trying to practice what I preach, <laughs> but usually I'm better in the evenings. I'm also trying to implement that, but it's such a struggle to go to bed at night. Like my entire body is very against it. Somehow <laughs> I like push myself to stay up later and later. I think it, things change as well as you get older. And I found that I used to really like to kind of have a bit of a lie in sometimes. But now my body just goes, no, no, time to wake up now. <laughs> and that could be five o'clock in the morning, which is really annoying. Um, so I'm trying to make it more routine and get in good habits. <laughs> and did you always want to be a doctor? I didn't, actually. When I was in secondary school, I loved languages. And so I was thinking I would end up doing something speaking French. But then I discovered human biology as part of my biology A-level course and loved it. absolutely loved it. And my mum said to me, have you ever thought of being a doctor? And so she set me on the path. And once I thought about it, I thought, well, yeah, that's definitely what I want to do. And I've never regretted it for a minute, even though when I went for careers advice, they said, Mm, being a doctor is really hard. Wouldn't you rather be a nurse? And I was like, oh, I don't think you've quite heard what I said. <laughs> so anyway, that was the start of me deciding to be a doctor. I do have a daughter who's a nurse and I think it's a wonderful career choice as well. But for me, I always wanted to be a GP and that's where I ended up. If you couldn't be a doctor, what else would you be? Back then, I don't know. There was some talk then of me going to ballet school. I was a bit of a dancer. I loved my ballet. Now, if I couldn't be a doctor, then I would probably just hang up my stethoscope and be a full-time grandmother. <laughs> it's a new job I've had over the last year. <laughs> so I had my first grandchild last April in lockdown, and it's been very exciting. So, yeah. Funny, it's too. <laughs> yeah. Yes, absolutely. Toddling now, getting into everything. And how long have you been working in the neuroscience field now? Well, I started as a GP being interested in not just migraine and headaches, but also interested in chronic pain generally. I'd originally been very interested in bereavement and emotions. And then I got involved in sort of seeing patients with more mental health because of my interest in bereavement, which came from sort of personal experiences. And then I developed migraine and started getting more interested in that and, and the overlap between migraine and chronic pain conditions. So that must be now uh, a good 10 or 15 years. But I actually left NHS general practice and started working at the National Migraine Centre, which is a charity providing doctor's appointments for people with migraine and headaches about seven years ago now. And, uh, and that's my main focus. That's been my main focus for the last seven years. So that's been a fascinating journey, really interesting, very rewarding as well. I bet. There are so many people suffering out there. Oh, so many. Yeah, so many. And we hear so many sad stories. 
And um, when people come for an appointment with, with us, they can self-refer, although we have got a very long waiting list at the moment, unfortunately. We're recruiting. Lots of new doctors will be coming, hopefully. So when they come, they've often been to uh, see other GPs or they may have seen other neurologists or sometimes other headache specialists. And so they often have a long journey and a long story to tell about the things they've tried or things that haven't worked. We do get some who, who say, oh, actually, I haven't really tried anything. I just heard about you, so I'm coming. <laughs> so those are the quicker ones. But it's really lovely when you hear somebody who's struggled for a long time and they and they come and then they come back again and they go, oh, I'm so much better. Um, it's just the best, the best thing to hear. So was it your own migraines that made you interested in this or was there another reason too? It was my own migraine attacks originally because it took me a little while as a doctor to even diagnose myself. I think we're very bad at looking at our own health sometimes. Um, so on my journey of finding out about information about migraine took me to the National Migraine Centre as well as various other routes. And I'm a great reader and I love to kind of absorb information about things. So I started searching for information to help myself and then, of course, went on a couple of courses at the National Migraine Centre, ran for GPs and got very interested in helping my patients. And then when I decided to slightly change my career, I decided to go and work with the National Migraine Centre because it seemed to be doing such a worthwhile job. So that's really how I got into doing this. Yeah, that was the main reason. We do have a bit of a family history in my family of people with migraines. So I knew about it a bit as a condition. I had an aunt who suffered really, really badly. And I've got a mother-in-law who suffers with migraine attacks. But yeah, it was really from getting them myself made me find out more about them. What are some myths or misconceptions about migraines that you have heard a lot? There are so many, aren't there? There are so many. First of all, people use the term migraine as a sort of throwaway comment. Oh, you're going to give me a migraine. And I think we need to try and change that. And and I try very hard. I sometimes slip up, but I try really hard to say migraine attacks because I think we should be thinking about migraine as a condition that leads to debilitating attacks. The next myth is that it's just a really bad headache, isn't it? And of course, it is more than a headache. It's headache, brain fog, dizziness, nausea, vomiting. And many, many people get sensitive to light, sound, movement, smells, sometimes even touch. So people with very bad chronic migraine can't do things like brush their hair or tie their hair back because it, it really hurts on their scalp. So I think the myth that it's just, oh, it's just a bad headache is a very common one. And we're trying to change that by raising awareness as much as possible. The other thing is I think it's a big myth that if you have a headache that's not bad, it can't be migraine because migraine's really, really bad. And it is what we call a spectrum disorder. So some people with migraine don't have them very often. And actually don't have terribly bad attacks. They get headaches or dizziness or nausea or even sometimes tummy pain, especially kids. But they get it and it goes away relatively straightforwardly and you know, they take some painkillers, lie down, whatever. And actually, even those attacks can be classed as migraine. It's just that they're a bit milder. So some people who are getting migraine attacks don't realize they've got migraine because they don't get it very badly. So I ask them about their family history. And if they've got a positive family history, it often helps give a clue to the diagnosis. 
Then there is another term which I really don't like, which is cluster migraine. Um, so some people come and say to me, oh, I've been told I've got cluster migraine. And that's a confusing term because it mixes up two different headache types. So there's a type of headache called cluster headache. And when migraine is happening really frequently, that's called chronic or high frequency migraine. It's not called cluster migraine. And the trouble is that cluster headache is treated quite differently from migraine. And so if people have got this sort of confusing term of cluster migraine, then they may end up getting treatment for migraine where actually they haven't, they've got a different condition. So yeah, there's quite a lot of teasing out of things that we have to do when we're talking to people about what they've been told and what their understanding is about migraine. Clearly, migraines are complex, like you said, and I feel like there's little understanding or even support for people who are living with migraine. If you could change one thing to fix this, what would you change in the world? I think it would have to be a better understanding of the impact of migraine in society. If we could just somehow wave a big enough flag that made people go, oh, wow, we really need to take this seriously. Then I think from then we would get all the good results that we need, which is more research, more funding, more neurological headache specialist clinics set up, more support and understanding at work, more support and understanding from family and friends, because you know sometimes family and friends can be, oh, no, we've got another headache again, you know. And not really understanding. So I think it's about raising that awareness of the impact of the condition. There was a survey in 2016, which was done by the World Health Organization, and it was showing the burden of disease globally. And migraine came second in the most disabling condition list, second only to dementia. So, you know, people with chronic migraine, especially when they're getting it more than 15 days in a month, really have such high impact. So we need to do all we can to raise awareness so that we can get things better for them. There are some good treatments now. There's some really good things out there to help people with migraine. But if the awareness isn't there, the understanding and the, and the support isn't there, then they really struggle. And what are some things that you would advise to anyone who's living with migraine? Find out as much as you can about it. And this is why we do, we do our own podcast called Heads Up Podcast from the National Migraine Center, uh, which we thought would be a very good way of giving information that we're giving out week after week after week to patients and to, sort of making it easily accessible. So people, even if they're feeling a bit fragile, they can just pop on a, a pair of headphones and have a listen in. And then, of course, my the book that I've recently launched called Managing Your Migraine. And there are lots of other resources in the in the back of that book, lots of lists of resources. There's some specialist books out there like Victory Over Vestibular Migraine, which some people might find helpful. Then exploring more about all the ways that you can help yourself. So I think finding out about what migraine is and understanding how this condition is generated in your brain really helps people to kind of help themselves but also to seek the right help when that's necessary you can't do it all yourself there's no way if you're getting bad migraine attacks it's not a question of just reading a book and eating differently or sleeping differently you do need to have helpful medication doctors that understand um but the more that you understand your own condition you become an expert yourself in your own condition and i think the more you can go and ask the right questions and, and request the right sort of help and support 
what would you say to the partners or family members of migraines? Probably much the same. <laughs> Find out about migraine. Listen to your partner or the person in your life who's got migraine and understand what an impact it is. Some people who get migraine call themselves migraine warriors. Because I think people with migraine have a tendency to push through, to push on through the pain, to try and keep going. And if the people around them are judging them or criticizing them or not being supportive, they may push on too far and make things worse. They may feel guilty. The, the person with migraine often feels a bit of a burden or a nuisance. They feel they let people down. And the more that the supporting migraine team can be saying, we understand, it's not your fault. We're here for you. If you need to lie down in a dark room, fine. If you need your medication, that's fine. We understand that it's unpredictable. And we understand that you need to do what you have to do to get through this attack. Then that, that will be really, really helpful. Are there any migraine books or resources that you would recommend? Well, I think I've probably just plugged the two that I, <laughs> that I particularly recommend, which are the Heads Up podcast, which is on Apple and Spotify and all the normal podcast places. And then my book, Managing Your Migraine, which is available on all the book sites. And that is a Penguin Life Experts book. So that's going to be a series of books on different topics. The Vestibular Migraine book that I mentioned is by Dr. Shin Bei. Dr. Sabrina Brennan wrote a book called Beating Brain Fog that people might like to read up about. A lot of women get worsening migraine when they are going into the perimenopause, when their hormones are changing. Reading any of the books on, on the menopause, getting information about that can be really helpful. And Dr. Louise Newsom has just published a book in the same series as mine called Preparing for the Perimenopause and the Menopause. So yeah, I love a book. I think a lot of people can get very useful information from books. Our charity, the National Migraine Centre, has fact sheets as well. Um, we have information on our website. And then the Migraine Trust is another really excellent charity. They're more of an advice charity. They don't have doctor's appointments, but they do have a helpline for anybody that's struggling with work and work-related issues. And the other one I would just mention, going back to cluster headache, if people aren't sure, do I have cluster headache or do I have migraine? If they go on the OUCH website, so it's OUCH UK, which stands for the Organization for the Understanding of Cluster Headache, there's a quiz that you can do that says, do I have cluster headache or migraine? And that's been really useful and helpful. And there's lots of information about cluster headache on there. And for our last question, if you could share one interesting finding or experience from your years of working in migraine, what would you tell us? I would say that people with migraine often have not been given good information about basic things that they can do to help themselves and underestimate how important the things they can do themselves can be. Eating regularly, having a routine of sleep, trying to do as much as you can to control stress, to control your hormone fluctuations, looking into supplements like magnesium or vitamin B2 or coenzyme Q10. And recently we've heard that vitamin D and omega-3 can be quite helpful to reduce migraine attacks. Realizing that all of that is as important as getting another medication. Quite often I'm talking to people and they say, well, I don't really, I don't really want another medication. I want, I don't want to keep taking tablets. I'd rather do something myself. 
So also understanding that there are things like neuromodulation devices, which there are various different ways that these work, but they're an either electrical or magnetic devices that can help soothe the brain waves down a bit and stop the, the pain and, and reduce the migraine attacks. So looking into other things and not just relying on medications, that's probably the biggest lesson, I think. Well, thank you so much, Katie, for answering all my questions. You're very welcome. Today's episode is brought to you by HelloFresh. Do you feel like you are stuck in a dinner rut? With HelloFresh, you get fresh, pre-measured ingredients with mouth-watering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door. Skip all those trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking fun, easy, and affordable. You can now enjoy cooking and get dinner on the table in 30 minutes or less. With over 25 recipes to choose from each week, there is something for everyone to enjoy. All recipes are designed and tested by professional chefs and nutritional experts to ensure deliciousness and simplicity. I have checked their website and there are so many amazing options that I can't wait to try. Go to the link in the show notes to get $80 off, including free shipping on HelloFresh, the number one meal kit. Thank you for inviting me on the podcast and helping me raise awareness of migraine. Yeah, definitely. Like I mentioned to you in our conversation, I also live with migraine. I have chronic migraine. I don't remember a day when I did not have a migraine. Like It's been that long. Recently, I got into reading books and then I saw your book and I was so excited. I was like, yes, I need to read this book. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, I do hope you find it helpful. I'm really very passionate about getting good information out there. So I've tried to make it a very readable book where it's in kind of bite-sized chapters. There's also a a bit in there about migraine in children because they're the other group who, you know, there's even less understanding in the general population about migraine in children. So, yeah, I'm really hopeful that's going to help a lot of, of people. I think the other thing is there's not one answer to migraine. It's about looking very broadly at all the things that you can do. For mine, for example, when I was researching the book, I was looking up studies about yoga and Tai Chi and seeing is there any evidence that these can help. The trouble with migraine is often there hasn't been enough research. And so people will anecdotally say, well, I found this was helpful. But what we really need is a thousand people to have a repeatable experience of whatever it is that they're trying and a a whole control group as well to prove that that actually helps. But in the meantime, if it's something like yoga or tai chi and you enjoy doing it, we know it's good for people generally. So I've started trying to do a little bit of tai chi to see if that's, and I have to say I'm really enjoying it. You can do it online. You can do everything on Zoom now these days, can't you, or on on YouTube. (laughs) And the other thing is things like acupuncture. There's quite good evidence that acupuncture in the right way with the right acupuncturist can be helpful for some people. But I find myself repeating the words for some people um, because unfortunately nothing works for everybody. Um, yeah, that's other, why it's so confusing, isn't it? Like you said, there's not enough research. Nothing is conclusive. So you hear people's stories in a way, like something works for someone, something doesn't work for another person. And yeah. then I feel like because I also have migraines every day, it's so hard for me to figure out what my exact triggers are because it never stops. So I yeah. don't know what started it because it didn't stop. And yeah. then the only thing I'm making sure is I'm not dehydrated. Uh, I wear sunglasses when I go out, so like those basic things. But I don't know if there's like a specific trigger, but I'm not able to find it out. Yes, I wouldn't say it's one. We know that migraine is a genetic condition, so we know the brain is set to be less good at processing with sensory inputs if you've inherited the genes for migraine. 
But whether you get a tax or not depends on how many things change to irritate your brain. So if you were absolutely fine and your migraine threshold was really high, far away, you would probably be able to have a bad night's sleep and go out in the sunshine and skip a meal and you'd be fine. But the lower your threshold for having a migraine comes, then the easier it is for your brain to go into that irritable state. And with chronic migraine, the threshold's really low. The brain is irritable all the time. So the slightest thing, a bit of flickering lights or some strong perfume or stress increasing or stress reducing, because anything that changes can irritate your brain if you've inherited those genes. So it's all about routine and uh, looking for everything that you can control. Some people are even sensitive to the weather. Um, yeah. So changes in the weather, you know, suddenly it's thunder or rain forecast. And I get a flurry of patients saying, oh, I've been really bad this week because of the rain coming and the thunderstorms coming. And there is, you know, somebody did a study and said, yep, yeah, that is a thing. That's definitely a thing. So our brains are delicate <laughs> and uh, they need gentle handling. Anything that challenges the brain of somebody with migraine in a strong way is likely to tip it closer to a migraine attack. But it's not your fault if you get chronic migraine. It's not that you're doing things wrong. You've already got the genes. <laughs> so it's just a question of being kind to yourself I think, and trying to find all the things that you can do that make you feel better and make you able to enjoy your life despite migraine. But it's tough with chronic migraine. There are new medications, of course, which are really life-changing for some people, and those are the anti-CGRP injections, but, big but, they're very expensive. You have to have tried and not found success with uh, at least three other medication preventers, and the waiting lists, because of the pandemic, the waiting lists are very long being seen by headache specialists. I think I also would urge people to try and see a headache specialist when they're going to get advice about migraine, even though it's not just a headache, because sometimes they're referred to neurologists who are really specialists in multiple sclerosis or epilepsy or Parkinson's. And if that's their special area of interest, they may not be quite as well up to speed on the latest developments in migraines. So yeah, ask for a headache specialist clinic referral. If you're going to your doctor and being seen by somebody, that's quite important. That's great information, Katie. Thanks for sharing. And thank you again for being a guest on my podcast. It was really great talking to you. Oh, you're welcome. When people ask me to talk about migraine, it's quite hard to stop me. But <laughs> <laughs> thank you for this as well. Listeners, do check out Katie's book, Managing Your Migraine. If you suffer from migraines or you know anyone who suffers from them, it's a great resource and you can also check out her podcast, Heads Up. And I'll meet you again next week with a new guest. Thank you for listening to our conversation today. Hope you enjoyed getting to know our guest as much as I did. You can also watch a video version of this conversation on 11 Questions YouTube channel. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you are listening. And if you like this episode, please leave a 5-star rating on Apple Podcasts. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at 11QuestionsPod for more videos and updates. And I'll be back next week with a new guest. Bye!